0: morning to you and welcome to Friday. It is the captain's run. We've got a big, big three hours coming up. Looking forward to chatting some footy with you. As always, the lines are open and available. What do you make of it? Last night, 34 goals were kicked. Is there going to be an overreaction to the scoring? And furthermore, does high scoring make good footy? What, what makes a good game of footy? I want to get to the bottom of that this morning because I'm not absolutely convinced that High scoring equals a great game of footy, but I'm also not going to overreact to one preseason game. Carlton fans, Saints fans, what did you like? What are you concerned about? Clearly the injuries at Carlton, the list is getting long, which is which is complicating their selection process ahead of round one. But apart from that, what did you like? And for the Saints fans, there's plenty of like. You are quick. And you had the best small forward brigade probably in the competition. A lot of similarities to the Richmond dynasty over the last three or four years, the way that list has been built. Looking forward to taking your calls on that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 The temper text, 433 98 eleven sixteen You know it. You know it well. It's for temper and mattress like no other. Great guests coming up this morning. We'll talk some footy. We'll head to Perth and speak to Ryan Daniels, who is their prominent uh, reporter over there on the latest with Willie Rioli, and also how both Western Australian teams are gearing up for the season. We're going to speak to speak to a young lady who was dominant on the track uh, during the week. She broke the 1k record on the track. Lyndon Hall's her name, and she's going to go to the Olympics. We'll speak to her. Looking forward to to her story. We're going to speak some cricket as well ahead of um, what is it the fourth uh, T20 between the Aussies and New Zealand and we might even speak some American sport as well get involved i want to get the show underway with this well for the first time this year collingwood coach nathan buckley has faced the media Buckley sat down with the AFL's Cow in a wide-ranging interview that was more than timely, it must be said, considering the upheaval and controversy that has swept through the Holden Centre since the completion of the 2020 season. Buckley's coaching future is set to dominate the footy news cycle this season, a fact that he acknowledges and he addressed.
3: I don't feel like I have to be the senior coach going forward, you know, if, um, if that's the best thing for the club and I feel that I can still impact and, and help the club move towards contending consistently and winning flags, well then I'll put my hand up and if the club felt that uh, it was better to go in another direction, well then I would understand that. So that, that conversation will be held in good faith and you know, it's not something that we'll be addressing until later in the year.
0: So that, that is the pressing question. It's not something that they'll be addressing, but clearly we will address it and talk about it. Um, for the Collingwood board, they're going to have to answer that. Is it time to move away from Nathan Buckley after 10 years as coach and go in a different direction? I understand this year's results will be a key player in that, but if his time is up, at Collingwood, unquestionably he would be an in-demand signature at multiple rival clubs, and we expect there to be a few opportunities at different clubs this year. But I want you to hear me out on this. What if, and I know it seems fanciful right now, but what if as an industry we were open to the idea of clubs trading coaches like we've become accustomed to in the frenzied post-season trade period which involves the players? If, as an industry, we were open to it, like the NFL were when Oakland Raiders head coach John Gruden was sent to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for $8 million in cash, two first-round picks and two second-round picks back in 2002, it would be so fascinating. I want to propose this to you. How does a Buckley plus a first-round draft pick to Hawthorne for Alistair Clarkson sound? After 16 years at the helm of the Hawks and facing the daunting prospect of rebuilding the list and starting from scratch, the opportunity for Clarko to join another Victorian powerhouse who are still in the premiership window would surely be enticing for him. Clarkson coaching Collingwood would be nothing but box office. And for Buckley, who's nearly five years younger than Clarkson, he's got the time and the patience to revamp the Hawthorne list and get them back in premiership contention within three years. His huge profile would be a commercial hit at the Hawks as the club starts a new era in its new $100 million training base. The ability to trade coaches would have far-reaching positive ramifications for the coaches who, due to the pandemic, have lost nearly all of their bargaining power. The fact that any club can sack a coach and only be liable for six months of the remaining contract is frightening to me, and it should be frightening to the coaches. It's clear both Buckley and Clarkson are coming to an end at their respective clubs. Why can't we be mature enough to consider allowing clubs the ability to trade its coaches? Hawthorne fans, would you give Clarkson to Collingwood in exchange for Buckley in a first-round draft pick and Pius fans, vice versa? It's a win-win for both and the industry in general. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the number here this morning or you can send me a text. Am I crazy or would it work? I want your feedback. Get involved now. We'll also talk some footy as well, but would you consider trading your coach or is there a coach from another club that you would trade for you might even put up a player i don't know is it money is it players is it picks or is it a straight swap don't know the ideal scenario but what i do know is that it will work and it would be magnificent for the coaches themselves and for the industry as has the trade period been great for the industry are we mature enough to go down that avenue i would love your thoughts on that one three hundred seven 736 we'll also talk some footy of course Footy was back. How good was it to see crowds at the footy last night? Were you there? Did you go? How long was it in between drinks for you? I'd love to hear from you. And what was it like to be amongst your footy fans watching your team play last night? Would love to take your calls on anyone who was at the game last night. And what did you think? Particularly the Saints and Carlton fans. Brett is on the line. I've proposed that a Clarkson-Buckley trade would work. What do you think, Brett?
4: Kane, Kane, Cain. Things that Kane says, mate. Seriously, I love the idea of switching coaches, but not Buckley for Clarkson. That's just—it's not even on a par. So, um, what
0: side are you? What? What? Who, who's your team first? So, let, let's get—let's get that clear.
4: Okay, I'm going to put my hand up. I'm a Hawthorne member yep. of the loyal supporter. But um, no, I—I I think I, I do like the concept. I think that mm. clarity with coaching and, and switching coaches. And as you said, the fact that they can be shafted off with only six months is probably not really fair to the to the coaches in some cases. Um, but I think in this instance, uh, Clarkson's value is, is 10 times that of, uh, of Buckley's. Um, and whether Buckley's... But the the advisor- prospect...
0: Sorry, sorry to cut you off. So, And um, I will definitely hear you out. The, the prospect that you could lose Clark over nothing in a year's time... It, is real. Would you not agree, Brett? Like there's the, the, the prospect no, no, no. that 2022, Clark, Clarko's going to go and you'll get nothing for him. So Sam Mitchell will come in, Clarko will go, shake hands. Thanks for the unbelievable memories, Clarko. But you're not going to get anything for him in a year's time. So, so you know, what, why wouldn't you consider, and whether Buckley's the right one for you, and uh, I think he would be a great fit for Hawthorne, you may disagree, but would you not consider that?
4: Look, I don't look. I've actually already said in a number of Hawthorne forums that I think with Graham right going to Collingwood, it's almost inevitable that Clarke, if he was to move on, would probably look at Collingwood and say, Well, there's a challenge I could really confirm and, and set my legacy as one of the greatest coaches in the AFL if he can do what Matthews did and bring mm. a, uh, mm. a, a premiership to, to Collingwood, which is obviously one of the hardest things to do in the AFL. Whether, Clark, whether uh, Buckley is the right coach. Um, I, I, yeah the, the the setup at Hawthorne is that they've got a legacy built in they've got the coaches in waiting and yeah there's I, I, a general mm. thing I like it I, yeah I probably wouldn't say that Buckley's the one for, for Hawthorne but he put, certainly would fit some other clubs I've no doubt about that but
0: uh, that's I okay we'll split Hawthorne. it you, you, you like the idea of being able to trade for coaches but Buckley's not the right fit for Hawthorne I, my counter to that would be you know, I'd be as confident more so in Nathan Buckley turning Hawthorne around than than what I would be in an un, an untried coach like Sam Mitchell, as much as we love his pedigree and the work that he's doing to be the next guy, I would be a touch more confident in Nathan Buckley than I would be Sam Mitchell. Cause I've, I've seen him do it and get within 30 seconds of winning a premiership. John's in Adelaide, uh, Clarko for Buckley. Johnny, what do you think?
5: I think, uh, well, the both of them can coach. There's no worries about that, but, uh, I would like to see Buckley over in South Australia. I think this next bloke's got a, got a lot to, he's got plenty to say, but he's talking's not not going to think. I'm a bit worried about Adelaide Forty club. If you was another coach, what players in the Adelaide list would worry you?
0: Well, they've got some issues, John, and, and the pressure will come on Matthew Nix probably halfway through this year. You know, he'll, he'll be given some grace, but they, they can't afford to win three games again this year. I mean, he's, he's out of contract at the end of next year, and, and that pressure will come. It's a little bit premature for that. Their list is, yeah, it doesn't doesn't frighten me as an opposition team, but hopefully some of these young players that they've picked come along and, and start to turn the footy club around. What do we think about coaching swaps, Renee?
6: 18 more sleeps. That's what I'm saying, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not counting. Um, no. Look, I'm a Collingwood girl. I'm a Legends member. I love them, and I tell you what, I love having him, Nathan Buckley, as our coach. Yeah. I'm trying to prepare myself because I'd probably need a day off if they got rid of him because I I really believe in him. I think that even when you look at when you look at all the other clubs he would be swooped up in a New York minute. and He Peckle would be. I up.
0: think that's clear. I reckon there's six clubs that would, would... So if Collingwood moved off him, maybe six is too many. There'd be four clubs that would uh, be keen to get him, I reckon, Renee. I think that's fair.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I have absolute faith in him. I mean, it's, everyone says, oh, 10 years, he should have won a premiership. But you're right, Kane. We're 30 seconds away from winning one. And I believe that he's got the playing group uh, playing for him. I know we had a little bit of, um, you know, debacle with the Adam Trelaw situation and stuff like that. But, you know, it is a business and they have to do something to improve their list. It's put us in a much better position now. Um, so I actually have faith in him. I have not wavered one minute. And I, look, I think Clarco is a fabulous coach. But I think Nathan Buckley represents our football club and I think that you can't have much more than the passion that you feel when you love a football club.
0: Love your passion, Renee. Love your uplifting attitude for us this morning on your Friday. 13 sleeps and we are underway. Great to see, well, Collingwood in action tonight. You can chat about that and the footy. We'll speak about uh, the new rules, clearly how they work. Last night didn't seem to have a dramatic impact on proceedings, albeit it was like an NBA All-Star game with the scoring that was there. Uh, We'll take your calls on that very, very shortly. I know Brock and Dave want to have their say on the footy last night. In the meantime, let's go to Seaford and speak to Tom. Tom, should coaches, sorry, should teams be able to trade their coaches?
1: Well, I think it's probably a a brutal commercial reality. and There's also the emotional stuff. Uh, And, you know, the win-loss record premierships. Uh, I think I'd be very sad if Bucks went. I think he's been an incredible contributor to the game in Collingwood um, and been pretty damn unlucky. But, um, you know, the problem is, apart from Clarkson, is there any other person out there that you would let Nathan Buckley go for? I mean, who's out there,
6: mm. Kane, do
1: you say, what would you say is, is, is possible to get if the club... Decides, or Nathan decides to step back from Collingwood. I mean, it seems to me he's the only person. You, you, he's such a caliber, caliber uh, player and person, Nathan Buckley. So who else is there?
0: Yeah. So there's there's tiers of coaches in there. There's the absolute A graders. Um, does, does Nathan Buckley fall into that? Uh, coaching tiers is an interesting one. He's probably not in the absolute A graders. But you know, John Longmire, Adam Simpson probably Chris Fagan working his way into that. Um, Ken Hinckley's probably on the level uh, equal to Nathan Buckley at the moment, but Chris Scott would be in that upper echelon. So, you know, there's ones out there and it it gives clubs the opportunity. And for Hawthorne, who have had no first round draft picks, if they think they're going to lose Clarkson anyway, imagine being able to go to a club and say, we want three first round draft picks for Clarko. He's going to leave at the end of 2022. We're going to go in a different direction. Let's cash in to a club that feels like they are ready to go. I mean, we see three first-round draft picks for Jeremy Cameron or, or nearly that. Why not pay that for a coach who's probably going to walk away at the end of next season anyway? I think it just gives clubs a bit more flexibility, and it also is good for the coaches who have lost all of their bargaining power through no fault of their own. We're up and running. It's 19 – sorry, it's 17 minutes past 9 o'clock – the number is 1300 736 736. We'll talk some footy next with Dave in Sydney. Brock's on the line. Luke wants to chat about the footy last night, and we'll take your calls on that next. 23 minutes past 9 o'clock, taking your call. Strong reaction on the text line as well for temper, a mattress like no other, 0433 98 11 16. Does uh, coaching trades, would it work? Would it be good for the industry? And do you have your eye on a coach from an opposition club that you'd like to get at your club, I reckon a Buckley-Clarkson swap at the end of the year would work. You can have your say on that. But Brock has been so patient. He wants to talk some footy. What did you make of the Saints last night? Brock, welcome.
4: Hey, Kano. I don't know if you remember. Two weeks ago, I come and told you that Saints have the best midfield in the comp. The
0: best you ruckman did. in the comp. Everyone laughed. Everyone laughed at you.
4: Well, you laughed at me, mate. And now, yeah. uh, if you look last night, didn't have a ruckman in. And uh, we just dominated him in the midfield. I think Jack Billings is finally showing why we picked him ahead of Bont. He's way better. Um, you know, we've got the best and deepest midfield in the comp. You have got all those small forwards that can run through the midfield as well. Brad Hill's the best ball user in the comp, and uh, Jack Steele is just a better, better version of Paddy Cripps.
0: So, I, you I love your. Op- I do comp- like your t- optimism, Brock. I I'm not I'm not going to concede on the the best midfield in the comp. I, I'm not going to concede on that. What I will give you, though, is the best small forward brigade in the comp. Uh, they're they're everywhere. they got small forwards coming out of their ears, so I'll, I'll concede with that. I'm not sure if I'll give you Billings over Bont. Um, I'm, not, I'm not going to go that far yet, but um, I appreciate some of what you're saying. Early days, early days, but signs signs are good. Uh, Dave's in Sydney. What did you make of the footy last night, Dave? Welcome. G'day,
1: mate. Long time, first time. Happy, fun-filled Friday. Just drive Welcome. to work. Bring your dog to work day. Can't wait.
0: What sort of dog you got? i
1: um, uh, got a golden retriever. Beautiful. She's, um, she's, she's going to love it. Mate, just want to talk two things. Um, in terms of what you asked, what makes a good game of footy and, and also mm. the state of play. Uh, I reckon a good game of footy is where you sort of have a, a range of, of emotions, whether you know there's frustration, there's excitement, there's there's anger. And I think if we're playing majority... Of the game in in a, in a fast way, playing on these kinds of things, I think that's going to be more enjoyable. Not necessarily high scoring, mm. um, and also state of the play with the new rules. I reckon um, there was a lot of almost moments yesterday, and the boys were rusty. And I think in you know round two, three, and four, when they're sort of got their groove on, I think there's just going to be more scoring, playing on fast, a lot bit more one on ones inside fifty, um, and I think it's just going to be more exciting and, and high scoring. What are your thoughts?
0: Good on you, Dave. Yeah, I don't need 34 goals in a game of footy to to have an enjoyable experience. To me, what makes a great game of footy is the contest. Um, Now, pre-season, so you wouldn't expect it, but I didn't see a great contest last night. It was probably maybe two or three good big tackles that I can remember. There certainly wasn't any high-flying marks or many contested marks at all. I thought the... The umpires were a little bit whistle-happy on the forwards and you know, really tough to be a defender in modern footy. But I want a contest. I don't need high scoring. I just want that intensity, that tight-natured footy, what makes our game so unique. Um, high scoring to me doesn't equal great footy, but I'm interested in your thoughts. one 736 736 Luke's in Hawthorne. Welcome, Luke.
4: Hey, Kane, How you going? Good, buddy. Just uh, what are your thoughts on the Blues? I left there last night.
2: Pretty happy. I look at the Saints, and they're a genuine top four chance. And yeah, you know, I left there. You look at the forums online; everyone's canning, canning the coach, canning the system. But I actually left there going, I saw improvement, particularly from last year. What
0: are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm. I'm not uh, in any way um, not encouraged by what I saw from Carlton last night. The injury list was added to last night, but Kuno, Casbolt, McGovern, Betts. Marchbank Nunes got injured, Whittiering got injured, so I mean there's some real positives with that. I think they've seen some improvement with some of their midfielders. Zach Fisher, I know Gary Lyon spoke about it this morning, but he could be my new favourite player in the competition now that Connor Rose is injured. Like he. He could be anything. So, no, I think I think the Blues and the Saints will be around the mark and nothing that I saw last night from St. Kilda um, detracts me from that opinion. So, Blues fans, nothing to be concerned about, I wouldn't have thought. Tighten up that defensive stuff and don't let teams kick eight goals in the first quarter. Uh, you'll be fine. I'm sure they will do that. Good on you, Luke. Steve's on the road. G'day, Steve. Hey, Cato. Hey,
7: How you going, mate? Good, buddy. Uh, last four last just pretty much stole my thunder, but I was going to say... Um... Uh, Zach Fisher and uh, Williams, uh, I just thought they were really exciting last night. Mm. And if that, if that's what's to come this year, I think I think we're going to be,
8: be fine. I mean, you said it yourself: no Harry McQuay, no Kaz Bolt, no McGovern. I thought Jack Sylvani did really well, mm. but um, yeah, pretty much no forward line. If that back line ties up, I reckon we'll be all right this year.
0: I think you'll be right, Steve. And Zach Fisher's always been one of those players where you see him and he does something, you think, "Oh my, who was that?" But just you know, he, you know and then you look at the end of the game he's had nine or 10 disposals and you think we oh, didn't have a big impact but he looks fit he looks ready to go and into his sweet spot so he's exciting um uh, you know Saad's going to have a big impact Williams uh, two stoppage goals that he kicked forward stoppage goals last night showed his power through there so you know I think I think they're around the mark um, for the saints fans blues fans have your say though one three hundred seven three six seven three six. we spoke to champion data maybe two weeks ago and daniel Hoyne from from champion data and fisher was rated an elite player in the competition and some people were questioning that and and how he has fit into that ranking well by the end of the year he could absolutely live up to that rating what is your your quick overreaction in the preseason from what you saw Last night. If you've got one, send it through. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Uh, Shane's on the line. Steve wants to have his say. I see a Margaret there as well in Sunbury, which is a famous name at this station. We'll get to Margaret. Luke is also lining up to have his say. What'd you think of the footy last night? I want to hear about it. And would trading coaches work in the competition? Let's get the nine thirty news with Meredith. Busy out there, busy on the timber text, busy on the phone line, which means one thing, that footy is getting close. Looking forward to seeing how all the teams attack the last week, the last opportunity that they've got um, before round one. Shano is in Diamond Creek. Shane, would trading coaches be good for the competition? Listen, Shano, you've lit
7: a flame in my stomach, mate. It's a great topic, but it's a fantasy. And what it's done is, it's gauged my opinion on Nathan Buckley, and I want to put it out to the calling of people today, that he's definitely the man for the job. He's, if you run it back and you give us the premiership against West Coast, we talk about Nathan Buckley in a different light.
9: Yeah.
7: If we, if, we, if we run it back and we go, Clarko did his apprenticeship in the VFL, Buckley never got one, Right. Buckley hasn't even hit his prime. If you run the champion data, champion, champion data back, Collingwood's got the most possessions. That we've won it every every year in, in games or wherever. Bucks has the champion mindset. He's evolving still as a person, a coach, a man, a mentor to his players. Where He's so ingrained in the Collingwood Football Club if we change hands now, I would see Collingwood a little bit lost in a direction. We don't mm. know what the talks about the in, behind behind closed doors. We don't we don't know what he's got the boys believing. It goes back five. It goes back five deep. Malthouse leaves. He leaves. He leaves his, He leaves uh, back 2011. He takes his whole fitness. His whole we him Bucks left to rebuild you've got to give the guy he's got us to a grand final he's got us up in the mix he's dealt with injury it goes yeah. a lot deeper you're,
0: a, you're yeah. a Bucks fan I get it as a lot of us are I guess the question for the Collingwood board is and a lot of it will be determined by results this year um, is you know, what is what is satisfactory for Collingwood I find them really hard to get a read on what's a pass mark for Collingwood this year that's Probably playing off another of the grand final, isn't it? And that, that, that's just a pass mark with where they've been now. Realistically, is that possible with the turmoil that's happened at that footy club? Probably not. So he's in a really tough spot, Nathan Buckley. And how long is too long as a head coach when you don't deliver a premiership? So ten years is that too long, mate? I agree with everything you've said. I'm a I'm a Buckley fan, and I, I wouldn't be moving off Nathan Buckley unless I had someone coming in to replace him that I know could coach. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't go with an untried coach because I don't know if they can do it. I know Buckley can do it. So it's all about who could replace him and who's out there. Appreciate your passion, Shano. Give us a call any time you like. I'm not going to say that about our next guest because he, he he can be a little bit mischievous, our next caller. Steve's in Lilydale. Steve-o? Uh, nice nice to talk to you again. It's great to catch
4: well. up. Yeah, I hope, hope the
1: foot's all right, the
0: family as well. Um, I just thought you
1: <laughs> said something interesting when you were talking about coaching tiers. Yeah, um, I like that it is to put in, in wherever they rock belong. But you did mention that Ken Hinckley was up there with John Longmire and Adam
0: Simpson. Um, no, 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 no. This, is where, you, this is where you hear things that I didn't actually say. I said Ken Hinckley is probably on the tier underneath those with a Nathan Buckley. So I didn't put him in the top tier, Steve. I think you're, you're hearing things.
1: No, I know. Well, I'm, I'm glad you clarified that because you can't have a coach that's been coming up for 10 years, only only coached his team to four final series, has only won one final since 2014, and it's the longest serving coach in the AFL who have never been in the grand final.
0: So I'm just yeah i just I'm glad you clarified that, Kane, because I think it's important that we, we understand exactly where where uh, where Ken is. you got to you got to put your Port Adelaide hatred aside, Steve. Okay, jealousy jealousy hurts. Okay, that's okay. Give us a call as you will. You don't need an invitation. And good to catch up. Uh, this lady can call us any time she likes, and she will great part of the family here at SEN. Margaret is in Sunbury. Welcome to you again, Margaret. What did you make of the Blues last night?
10: I wouldn't read a lot into last night, uh, uh, Kane. Um, yeah, a bit, uh, like, there's a bit, bit to bit, a bit wanting there. Um, mm. Fisher was good, like you said. Yes, he's good. I thought Jack Fulvani tried his guts out all night. He, he really did. Cripper, um, yep. yes, yeah, I think he's got a bit more to give than he gave last night. Um, Do you like him as a no. forward,
0: Crips, or is he? Is he? An, I don't know if he's a natural forward. Margaret. I'm not sure if he no, has... No, I don't
10: think it, he is. No, I think I he's better think in the he's midfield. A natural forward. He's a midfielder.
0: Mm. What's did, your expectations, you Margaret, this year? What What will satisfy you? Is Is it winning a final? A is it just eight? making the finals? Top eight. Eight.
10: Six, eight or six. There you
0: go. All right, that I should rec- be... I, rec-
10: I reckon they'll finish between eight and six. There you go. That's and fine, you, you
0: caught up with all the crew during the week? You're at the, the launch, I the did. footy launch?
10: I had a... Wonderful, wonderful dinner at, at, in South Melbourne with the, all the boys. It was just a wonderful. Have you heard about our horse? I haven't. You haven't heard about our horse. The boys have bought a horse, and I've got a ten percent share in it. <laughs> and we're going to name it. Oh, it's, it's going to be exciting times. I can tell you when our little filly gets going.
0: What an absolute thrill, Uh, absolute thrill. Margaret, we we love your calls. Look forward to tuning in to Off the Bench tomorrow to hear you with the boys Hutchin Pickers as well. Margaret in Sunbury, a big part of our station here and looking forward to following that journey. I wasn't aware of that horse. That will be a bit of fun. Uh, Luke's in Cranbourne. He joins us as well. I hope I pronounced that suburb correctly. Luke, welcome.
4: How you doing, mate? Um, Good. Just with your coaching idea, I think the one thing that it sort of, Um, strews off a bit is it gives the top clubs a little bit too much currency so like value for coaches is determined by premierships so Mm -hmm. if say richmond win another one or two premierships and then they taper off they automatically get two or three first round picks by getting rid of their coach which pushes them right back into the premiership bracket and i think it just Breaks the balance of the uh, competition,
0: if you know what I mean. I do, I do, and um, that that is a point that we're getting through a little bit. It's a good one that you make. Does does it continue to make the strong clubs stronger, and does it um, go against what the AFL are trying to do at the draft, and that is by making it an even competition? I guess the counter view to that is you, you lose a Premiership coach and you start from scratch with, with an untried coach. I'm not exactly sure what the right currency is to trade coaches, but I think there's something in it, and I think it would be ab- absolutely magnificent for the game. But, Luke, it's a, it's a really good point you make, and I appreciate it. Uh, Michael is in Caroline Springs. What do you think of swapping coaches, Michael?
3: How you go, James. Good morning. Good. Um, just... Uh... With, yeah, with the Buckley thing, um, I, I, I love him and what he's done for us, and he's been of, like childhood hero of mine. And but I think, barring a premiership, I think he's gone, and I think you mm. can just hear it in the way he's speaking. Um, he's very, he's very black and white, and you know, um, club comes first. And um, I think he sort of, sort of knows it. So I think, barring a premiership, he's gone. And just on that, that St Kilda. Um, bloke before Brock, I think his name was. Is he not taken? Is taking the P one double five? I don't, I don't
0: that,
2: think he is.
3: No, but... I think it, it, no, he is. To say Hill's <laughs> the best ball user, and he's yeah. got the bed, best mid. Like wait till they come up against Richmond, or wait till they come up against Geelong or, or, or Collingwood on their night. Like I think it says more about them because that well, Carlton didn't, didn't even have a, a tall forward line. Like they had like who they have like four players missing. Or like it said, I think it says more about them. Like it's, it's four quarters into a pre-season practice match like pull up a bit I reckon Uh, yeah
0: pull up pull up a bit Brock I think we're getting that feedback coming through as well but uh, like the optimism no one's won or lost yet in terms of premiership points this year so you can be optimistic what what does your team have the best of so Brock reckons the Saints got the best of everything but I'll, I'll give them that they have the best small forward brigade in terms of depth and numbers in their side what does your team have the best of? Surely you can find something that your team has the best in the competition, 1116 Aaron wants to speak about the, the Carlton Footy Club also. What did you make of them last night, Aaron?
11: Thanks,
4: Basil. I just want to give you a bit of an insight into the Saturday <laughs> afternoon team. We're a bunch of unique individuals. Malthouse, Harley, Zemplis, McLaughlin and myself. We're going to engage with our minds and our hearts. We're going to exchange ideas thoughts
0: and even our energy. All right, let's, w- let's, let's wind him down. We, we get the picture, you um reenacting Brett Kirk's famous speech when he joined the Channel 10 commentary in round one um, down in the change rooms. If you've missed it, we don't need Aaron rehashing it. It is widely available on YouTube. Bit of, uh, bit of comedy this morning. Marty's in Adelaide. G'day, Marty.
5: Kane, I'm about uh, 500 metres from your favourite football ground in Adelaide.
0: Albert and Oval? Glamel Oh yeah, well that's true. Now,
5: um, I want to know whether you think the Crows have got any chance of um, upsetting Geelong in round one.
0: No, they've got they've got absolutely no chance. Marty, absolutely Buckley's chance. Uh I think their defences in all sorts with their key defenders and Hawkins and Cameron and Dangerfield and everyone else is gonna have a field day. So it's gonna be a tough start for the Crows. Andrew's on the line. Uh, Adam Saad, you want to chat about him, mate?
1: Yes, I do. I just uh, looked at his game last night and, and I thought it was a average game from him. Um, but um, the commentators seemed to wrap him up a bit, which I, I thought was surprising because I thought uh, Brad, D. Hill had a very good game compared to Saad. Um, a lot more damaging. Uh, although Saad did kick a goal, but, um,
0: yeah, a couple, a, a couple of nice moments, I think. Yeah, well, we know he's a good player, don't we, Adam Saad? We know he's he's going to have an impact, so I think every team would love to have him in their side. And you know, he's going to be a topical point of conversation for commentators because he's had a, a new team and he he's a flashy player that he's good on the eye. So I thought he was solid last night. Didn't take too much notice for his game, but as you said, he had that moment off the back of stoppage of that. Um, stoppage where they left him alone and they kicked that goal from outside fifty. So I don't think teams, when the real stuff comes around, will be leaving him ten metres off a of stoppage too often and giving him that space. Good on you, Andrew. We'll get to Mick on the other side of this one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I've got a proposal for you this morning. Um, I want you to listen in. It's another idea, and I want to get your thoughts whether you think it'll work or whether it won't. We'll go through that and my proposal for halftime of the AFL Grand Final on the other side of this. 12 minutes to 10 o'clock. If you're listening to us on SENSA in Adelaide, it's 18 minutes past 9 o'clock. As always, lines are... Well, not as always, but right now I can tell you lines are available. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You have a look at the footy last night. Uh, the stand rule was a, was a non-factor, really, wasn't it? Uh, that probably the Brad Hill goal early was wouldn't have happened without the stand rule apart from that i didn't think it had a dramatic impact on the game other than the umpires screaming stand 90 times a game through the the umpire mics perhaps we need to have a look at their microphone setup not sure we need them screaming stand at us all the time the new camera angle i saw from fox footy last night which if someone was there how they do it i don't know someone someone must run on the ground with a new camera and get pretty close to the players you know i thought it was that was fine. It's a little bit similar to what they do in the NFL. It gives a pretty close-up action of, of that. What would you think of it? And were you there? And how good was it to be back at the footy? How long between drinks for you? Mick is in Kings Park. Did you go last night, Mick, or did you watch the footy on TV? No, Kane. Um, so i going
8: tonight. on the a Collingwood supporter, mate.
7: Oh, nice. I watched it last night. It was, it was really good to see crowds back in the stands. It's nice watching the footy game in Melbourne. And it's going to be really good to get
8: to a, to a game in Melbourne tonight, um, even though it's a community series. Football's football to me, mate. But with Margaret, I'm, I'm going to ring tickets for a name for their horse on Dink. because if Margaret's a heart owner and she's got 10%, I should go with a line from Helen Reddy's or something. Because Margaret's a woman and she's a lovely, lovely caller to at
12: He may rule Raw. From Iron Woman, hear me Raw. I reckon the hear,
7: hear me roar,
0: roar. would go well down straight. Katy Perry hit, that was. So there's a there's a name suggestion for Margaret in Sunbury's horse. She's got 10%. Um, you'll hear her tomorrow and Off the Bench. So I'm sure the guys will have a bit of fun uh, naming that horse. Just breaking news from uh, Mitch Cleary from AFL.com.au. So we know last week on the show, um, we, we actually broke the story about the crowd numbers 50,000, the MCG 28961 at Marvel. The Victorian government has just confirmed that GM HBA Stadium can also have a capacity of 50,000 starting from tomorrow night Amy Series game uh, Geelong play there in round two against Brisbane. So that crowd cap uh, equates to 18,546. So in Adelaide, At the Adelaide Oval, 40,000 was announced yesterday, 70% capacity at Adelaide Oval. Active coronavirus cases in South Australia, four. Active coronavirus cases in Victoria, seven. Isn't the issue we should be talking about not moving Essendon and Hawthorne from Marvel to the MCG? Isn't our gripe with the Victorian government as to why there are different rules for exactly the same circumstances in different parts of Australia? Why why aren't they letting more than 50,000 in is is the question that if I was the AFL and reportedly Gillam McLaughlin was pushing hard for 70 to 75% capacity at the AFL grounds, it is ridiculous that we are under the same health situation in Victoria and South Australia, yet South Australian government allowing uh, 40,000 at Adelaide Oval, but we're only allowed 28,000 at Marvel when the crowd capacity is about the same at both grounds. It's confusing and frustrating for footy fans who will be locked out Uh, Darren wants to speak about that crowd limit, 50% at GMHBA Stadium. How does it sit with you, Darren?
5: Um, Well, I rang up Dwayne Russell yesterday, and uh, he got a a message from Geelong Football Club saying that they are only allowed 8,000. And I basically, uh, I nearly fell out of the car. Um, Yeah, well, it's like, you know, Geelong holds 36,000, so you divide that by two, we're allowed 18,000. But it's taken, it's actually taken... A week from, uh, a week from today, uh, Kane, when you brought out that uh, the MCG and the Dockland mm-hmm. Stadium figures, and and Geelong's only being announced today. Now look, you know, Geelong supporters are once again being kicked in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great following of Essence supporters down here. It's confusion. Um, like there should be eighteen thousand there tomorrow, night, and I and I've I thought there was going to be at least sixteen thousand. Uh, and don't get me started on the Victorian government about COVID numbers for going to the football game because, you know, I'll, I'll, just, I'll lose the plot. You know, we, we didn't get to watch any games last year. We, we did the right thing and we paid our money. Uh, a lot of us lost our jobs, yet we still put our money into the love of our clubs, which we've, been, which we've loved all our lives. Football in Geelong is 150-odd years old. You know, support, supporters have been kicked in their head and now we've got to uh, tiptoe around the crowd numbers. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, but anyway, Kane, keep up the good work, mate. mate like, and, 18,500
0: and, yeah. 18 from tomorrow. More tickets going on sale from midday today, apparently, if you're trying to get one of those remaining tickets left. Seven minutes to ten. Uh-oh.
2: On SEM, the captain's run with cane corns.
0: couple of minutes to 10, big show still to come. We're going to speak to a young lady who broke the 1K record. Now, I'm a bit biased, I love my athletics, but you want to hear this story. 1K, as fast as you can run, how fast do you reckon you can go? Lyndon Hall will join us. We're going to speak some cricket. Still chasing up someone from the St Kilda Footy Club to debrief last night's performance. And Ryan Daniels will have the latest for us on the Willy Rioli situation He's their prominent seven reporter over there and also how Fremantle and um, West Coast are looking ahead of the season. This text coming through is a good one. Five active cases in Victoria, five. We don't reduce numbers at Chadston's shopping centre, which is indoors, so why are we doing it at an outdoor venue such as the MCG? I think I said it was seven cases. That's just come out that it's five. Now there's four in Adelaide, can have 40,000 at the Adelaide Oval, but we can only have 20,000 at Marvel. We try not to get political on a sports show. From time to time, we are required to, when it affects our footy fans who are locked out from going to the footy. After 10 o'clock, new Adelaide CEO Tim Silver's going to stop by to have a chat with me.
2: On SEN, the captain's run with cane corns.
0: Yeah, welcome into the captain's run this morning. Busy first hour. I am asking you whether we should be allowed to trade coaches. I reckon a Buckley and Clarkson coaching swap would work. Also getting your thoughts on the first look at the the real stuff and how it's going to go this year with Carlton and St. Kilda. Blues fans, Saints fans, happy to take a call from you on what you like, perhaps what you didn't like last night. That number's one 736 736 A big quiz coming up. We're going to play over and under plenty more on the show as well, but it was big news during the week because Adelaide have finally named their fifth CEO in the history of the footy club. He comes from the Hawthorne football club. They've lost another one. Tim Silvers is his name. Tim, welcome to the captain's run and a massive congratulations to you. Thanks, Kane. Really appreciate it. It's
11: been a big 24, 48 hours and, um, you know, it's just a, an amazing opportunity for me and my family to come over to South Australia and entrench myself in this community and lead what I think is just such a proud and passionate club.
0: I can imagine how big it's been, um, and that's why we appreciate your time. Has it been a, a long-standing goal of yours to, to lead a, a footy club as a CEO? When when did you first realise that you were capable of doing this? Look, pro-
11: Probably about four, four to five years ago, it sort of really dawned on me, i have been on the executive at Hawthorne for about five years at that time and I, I was um, Stuart Fox was my the CEO at that time and um, yeah, I started to write out a plan and a development plan of what I needed to do and the steps I needed to take to be a formidable challenger to get a CEO's job in the AFL and there's only over the job so mm. I always knew it was going to be a challenge and yeah, I got an opportunity in 2017 at the Hawthorne Putty Club where I was in an interim role once he left to go to the MCC. And yeah, that really whetted the appetite. Um, you know, I didn't get the big gig at that time, but, you know, since then I've probably been pushing and driving, you know, exposing myself to all parts of the business of a footy club, the commercial operations and obviously the football side. So that, um, you know, if the opportunity came that I, that I was ready and willing and able and you know, with COVID hitting and, you know, I from my end, at every club's end, it was a little bit of a fight, fight for survival last year, and make sure clubs could get through and you know, safe positions, etc., as much as you can. So I thought that maybe my opportunity had passed, but um, you know, this this opportunity came up with Adelaide sort of a couple of weeks ago, and um, you know, I was lucky enough to land the role.
0: Tim, your role encompasses many things, of course. But how do how do we judge you solely? to build a football program to have sustained success, but then you've also got the commercial element as well. So Adelaide now, commercially prior to this year, really strong, of course, we know what happened, but on field, not so. H- how do we judge you and your performance?
11: Yeah, it's a good question. Look, it, it's the, the plan is it's still football first. Like, what we have to... Um, support Everything, every staff member, every player, every coach here is all about... Um, trying to give us the best opportunity for on-field success, so even through the commercial side, we're going to put everything in our power to be as successful as we can on the field. Um, but like I said, at the sort of at the top, the plan for us is to sort of rebuild, reshape, improve, and get some respect back from the competition. Um, make it, make our members proud. So that that's going to be our focus over the next few years in terms of on-field and off-field. Yep, you're right. We've got we've had pre-COVID, we've great got great commercial um, sort of offerings and we've been strong. But something I've learnt for a long time being at Hawthorne. If you stand still and you don't innovate and strive to get better, you'll get caught up. So that will be um, our mantra at the club, continue to grow in everything we do, continue to innovate, diversify, because we need to continue to grow, get strong revenues into the club. And we've also got a little bit of bit of debt at the moment, so we need to sort of balance balance our books and sort of, um, I suppose that one of the priorities for the club, and I've read a lot about it, and I've you know, just been involved with the club personally over the last sort of 24-48 hours, is around focus on a new elite training and admin facility for the club, so a new home that would be also be a home and a place for our members and supporters to come to, as well as um, you know a home for our AFLW program. So they're probably the, the three key things, that I'm focusing on. So it's football support football
0: and help them grow c- continued commercial growth and finding a new home for the club and as you're speaking you're juggling a lot of balls in the air so eliminate the debt i heard your confidence in in your ability to do that and i don't doubt that for one second but you've got to eliminate the debt but also come up with a new base and invest in that now if i look at the club where you're coming from the hawthorne footy club and their new training base it's going to cost 100 million uh, i'm reading now 15 million of that is from the government the crows have got 15 million how much is this base going to cost at Adelaide?
11: Yeah, good good question. I, I probably don't have the, the granular detail on that, but it's nowhere near the, the Hawthorne costs. But, like, I've I've come from Hawthorne that were sort of focused on raising money through a number of different avenues. Like, they, out of a $100 million facility, they m- may have put in sort of 10% themselves. So they had... Um, specific fundraising programs. Um, you know, work with the local government as well as the state government as well as the federal government to get support through. Um through different levels of funding. So it's going to be a jigsaw puzzle. We're going to have to work on that and get a funding strategy together, work with the key stakeholders and deliver a plan. Um, You know, whether debt would be involved, we'll have to um, research that and understand that. But at the minute, um, like we said before, there's a small bit of debt and we... We did that to make sure that we were still an unassisted club from, from the AFL. Like that that has been the club's focus, being able to make our own decisions under our own steam. So that will be a focus in the short term, but also building a strategy to fund and deliver an elite training admin facility for our men and women's program as well.
0: We know you're a footy person. You've already spoken about that. How important is it to be a true football person to be successful in this role?
11: Look, I don't think... I don't think you can't change from sport to sport. I think you, if you can understand the, some of the basic elements. But for, for someone like me that's been in the industry for 17 years, I, I can walk into a club and know what works, how how the operations work, understand the commercials, understand the financials, the, the football department, the, the pros and cons across all levels. But, you know, I can hit the ground running. And I've come from a successful program. So I think that's an enormous benefit and understanding the industry will really support that. So I think it's an enormous benefit and I know I've been approached for a number of different roles over the last sort of two years to go to other sports. And the reason I sort of held back was that, you know, this is the industry I know. I know this back to front. So when this opportunity came with Adelaide, I just jumped at it.
0: Mm. Oh, I did enjoy reading some of the stories, coaching junior footy and, and coaching Brent Rutton to an under-11 premiership, I think it was. <laughs> Tim, so it's in your blood. Like, you, you, you're, a, you're a footy guy, and I think that will be received exceptionally well here, where, you know, we won't speak about the past, but I think that... Presented some challenges to Andrew Fagan. Speaking of, of of Fags, have you had a chance to speak to him, set uh, since the announcement?
11: Uh, no, no, I haven't. I, I look, I, I don't know Fags too well. Um, look, we've we exchanged a text or two, and um, I'm sure we're going to touch base over the next month. Mm.
0: Um, now, did I did I hear correctly that finals in two years, or did, did I hear you want to be competing and playing finals in two years at Adelaide?
11: No, that, I don't think that was right. that was me. But what Well, like I sort of said before, the the focus, footy focus, will be around just improvement across all all facets on the ground. We need our young players to develop. We need our veterans to continue to lead. Um, We need to strive and be more successful. Yes, Um, but we we don't want to put a number on it. We need to get respect back. We want to make our members proud and show improvement on the field.
0: I'm conscious that you've just stepped into the place, but are you looking to bring support with you, people you've dealt with and and that you rate And do you think Matthew Nix has everything around him in his footy department that he needs to be successful?
11: Look, it it is a little early for me to judge. I've got wonderful contacts in the AFL industry and it's an industry that's been cut a little bit bare, which, which is really sad and disappointing. So there's some good people that aren't actually working at the moment. But look, I, I need to get myself into the club, understand you know, what our pressure points are. Got to support the footy program, give them every opportunity to succeed. But, you know, first impressions is that we've got good people here with good values and striving for a common goal. So, that's a really good start.
0: And we just get uh, texts as we're, we're talking here and we ask Crows fans if they have a question for you. One coming through from Tim. Um, asked whether you've had uh, any, a chat to Jason Dunstall, who you would know through your dealings at Hawthorne, and what his thoughts of the Adelaide Football Club after undertaking the review you know, some two years ago.
11: Well, I haven't. I haven't. And I, I have sort of crossed my mind, but not knowing, knowing Jason and knowing how uh, by the book and, confidential and well-governed He as a person that I, I didn't think it was appropriate for me to call during potentially an, an interview process. But, um, you know, that'll be something that I might do over the next little while. And I, I will have, a CEO, so yeah, will have access to that report that was provided, I think, 18 months ago. Mm.
0: Well, it's a massive congratulations from us. It must be such a thrill for you. It hasn't been many of them, just the fifth CEO in the long history of the Adelaide Footy Club. Uh, we congratulate you. Look forward to dealing with you throughout the year. And, and good luck.
11: Yeah, thanks for your time. Appreciate it.
2: On SEN, the captain's run with cane corns.
0: Ninety minutes past ten o'clock. It's very good morning to you. Big show still to come through until twelve o'clock when Dwayne Russell will take over. News out of the Age this morning, reporting that uh, Rory Led. Uh, we just spoke to Tim Silvers from the Adelaide Footy Club. While well, their best, probably their best player or nearly, certainly their best out-of-contract player, is about to sign a five-year contract extension at the Adelaide Footy Club. So good news for the Crows. They've got 21 players out-of-contract as they go about um, getting those players to commit to the future of the footy club. Um, the Box Hill burn was on Wednesday Um, There was a a 5,000-meter race. All the big guns were there. Stuart McSwain won it for the the men's. He's about door for for the women. But there was also a really interesting race that I tuned into and I loved. It was a flat-out 1K sprint. And our next guest is an Olympian. She's a middle-distance Australian superstar. Her name is Lyndon Hall. She's been good enough to have a chat to us. Lyndon, thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks for having me on. So... You just ran two minutes thirty-five seconds with a bit of change for one k. It's frighteningly quick.
12: Oh, thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the the question is, it's not a it's not a distance that we are familiar with. Like it's, it's not an Olympic distance. It's not it's not a distance we're we're used to seeing. So how did the race come about?
12: Um, Well, it was really spitheaded by Katrina Bissett, who's our 800-metre record holder who was in the race as well. And um, she started as a bit of a project during lockdown as a a way of raising money for Lifeline um, and their work they do in suicide prevention. And she's done an amazing job in raising over $20,000, which is absolutely Mm. incredible. I'm so proud of her. Um, But, yeah, I was lucky enough to, to be one of the other athletes to jump involved and make it a bigger event and more of a race as part of the Box Hill Burn uh, on Tuesday night uh, and was was lucky enough to come away with the win. It was a bit of an obscure distance. None of us, I guess, were particularly familiar with mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, it was kind of more of a, is it a, a long 800 or a short 1500? <laughs> um, and I'm sure depending on what end of the spectrum you come from, was dependent how you went about it. But um, I think having an extra 200 probably probably helped me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit slower off the mark traditionally, which I did prove to be true on Tuesday. So I was able to kind of come into it and... Um, yeah, come, come
0: through at the end, which is was, which was fun. So it's an Australian and Oceania record, of course, which is significant for you. So it's a distance you'd run a lot. Like you would do training and you would do, I don't know, six 1K efforts and, and have a three-minute or two-minute break in between, but it's not a distance you would usually run flat out. The mindset of the fact that you're going to have to really hurt in this race before it even starts, that fascinates me with runners. How do you get your head around that?
12: Oh, I think it's part of the fun. It's, you know, racing's the fun part of all the training and you get to see all your hard work and it, it sucks for a couple of minutes, but it's mm. worth it on the other side. You know, you do always have those thoughts and you warm up those final stages when you're getting nervous. You're like, why do I do this? This is going to hurt. Um, but, you know, on the other side, you know, you're really, really pleased with yourself and, you know, it's really fun to test yourself. And I think uh, I think runners are a special breed. We're a little bit crazy. Um, so that probably helps.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. You you look as I said, I, I tuned in and, and watched the live stream. It was great, great coverage of it. it. You look really strong at about the I don't know, say the seven hundred meter mark you sort of took off and you, you did look to do it pretty comfortably and I was watching you as you crossed the finish line. You were hardly puffing, I'm sure you were hurting inside, but it's a good sign for, for where your fitness is at. Yeah, glad to see you. I
12: put on a good show and you know, can tricked everyone. Um it definitely <laughs> did hurt. Um but yeah, no, it was good having having run an 800 a week ago. Kind of you know sharpened up for the the shorter distance. Um, well, shorter for me, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, feels feels like a good setup. We're running a 1500 in Canberra next Thursday night. So uh, yeah, it was sort of a, a perfect little tune up for that. Um, which yeah, hopefully goes really well.
0: I'm a bit confused with all the Olympic qualifiers and everything, of, of course, because it was delayed and his qualifying still open. That that seemed to be a qualifying event, certainly in the. F- 5,000 metres at the box hill burn. Have you qualified for the 1,500 metres for the Olympics coming up, or where is that at?
12: Um, So I've missed the automatic qualifying time by 0.02 of a second, 0.09 of a second, and 0.13 of a second, which is pretty annoying. Um, But you can qualify also through a new world ranking system, which would probably take up your entire radio show to discuss the intricacies of that. Um, but basically, I'm sitting fifteenth or sixteenth or something on on the world rankings, uh, in which the top 45 will qualify. So if they were to select the team today, I would be fine. But obviously, rankings are, are dynamic as people. We only improve our rankings, but um, the idea is that hopefully are on the automatic qualifying standard and just you know secure that you team.
0: Just uh, got a bit echoey on the line. Not sure whether we're uh, on speakerphone or something, limited, or the Bluetooth's kicked in. We might um, try and get that sorted if we can. But it, so you you will be going to Olympics? Something that's pretty clear. If you're 15th out of 45, that that's great news. Are you confident the event's going to go ahead? And what have you been told? Still got you there. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I was just asking. We just had a bit of an issue with the phone line for a second there, but you're loud and clear now. You you will uh, be going, of course. That. That's that's fine, but are you confident that the Olympics is going to go ahead and what is the latest information that you've received?
12: Um, yeah, I mean, everything we're being told is, is super positive, but, you know, I'm not sure they'd have the heart to tell us otherwise.
9: Um,
12: mm. Yeah, so I guess I'm going with the mindset of, you know, it's on until someone with the right authority tells me otherwise and, yeah, trying to just... Ignore all of the the stories that are occasionally popping into the, the newspaper of, you know, it's off, um, you know, until the AOC tells it is, um, it's on. Um, yeah, you definitely need that sort of motivation to know that there's there's something you're working towards. Um, yeah, it's hard to, hard to commit so much time if you're sort of like, oh, maybe there'll be an Olympic. So, yeah, if you ask me, it's on.
0: <laughs> Good. I hope it is. Lyndon Hall is an Olympic middle distance runner. She's an Olympian. She'll be going to Tokyo should the event go ahead and we hope it does tell me about uh, Claudia Hollingsworth 15 year old who came runner up to you in the 1k on Wednesday night she ran 236 for a 15 year old I, I struggle to also get my head around that
12: yeah absolutely incredible I um yeah I think I'll be uh, definitely watching out for her in the next couple of years um yeah I mean I, I don't know a lot about her but um I know some people who have been involved at her school and things like that and just absolute raw talent from what I'm hearing. You know, hasn't done a whole lot, plays, plays footy as well. And, um, yeah, just a real talent. And I think, you know, she'll only get better as she gets more race experience and, um, you know, learns a bit more about the sport. But, yeah, I think definitely be uh, hearing more of her.
0: What, what advice do you give, I guess, young athletes coming through, like Claudia, who the, the talent is obvious, but I guess the monotonous training and the burn and the grind and the travel, Probably um, doesn't. It's not always fun, is what I'm trying to say. What advice would you have for, for youngsters coming through like that?
12: Yeah, I think it is really just trying to trying to keep it fun and you know keep playing other sports and you know don't sort of lose sight of sport being fun and social and you know having fun with your friends, your own age group and you know take it serious when you need to, maybe at nationals, but you know have yeah. as much fun as you can and pick the events you like and uh, all of that. I think you know the more varied experiences you can get as a junior. You know, whether it is in, in running or footy or netball or anything, you know, they're all going to be valuable in, in some shape or form. So, you know, not, not getting too intense is probably, uh, probably a pretty good one. And, you know, having good people around you to, you know, sort of make sure you're not doing too much too young and, and looking after yourself.
0: What have you made of the new advances in the shoe technology? I know it doesn't affect you at the distance that, that you specialize in because you, you're running in spikes but the new carbon plated shoes made famous by kipchoge in the marathon has it been fair and do you have an opinion on that and and can you share it with us
12: um oh tough tough one um yeah obviously <laughs> i'm not not in the marathon so it probably no. doesn't um come to heart too much but you know they're i mean they're super fun shoes to run in they um yeah, definitely make the legs feel fresher at the end of a long session, which is which is lovely. But you know, I think Nike obviously led the way, and you know, as they so often do. Um, and I think you know, everyone else is going to catch up eventually. Um, it's just that they've sort of led led the charge, and you know, Nike have some of the best athletes that they support, so that helps as well. When you've got the best athletes in the best shoes, um, you know, you're going to run fast.
0: You are. They are. They're phenomenal to run in. There's like nothing else. And before we let you go. Stuart McSwain is now a, he's an Australian superstar and is as good as we've seen, definitely since Mottram, but perhaps he's going to overtake the legacy of, of Craig Mottram. How good can he be and is he a realistic medal chance at the Olympics?
12: Oh, I mean, you get so many crazy tactics at the Olympics that, you know, if you're sensible and you're in the race, you know, anything can mm. happen. And I think, um, you know, Stuart's run the other night, which was, you know, incredible on his own. For the most part, you know, pretty average night at Box Hill. It was pretty cold, a bit windy. Um, you know, chuck him in a, in a competitive race with the top guys and, you know, he'll be right amongst it. And, you know, Stuart always seems so relaxed before competitions. And, you know, that's obviously going to be a really helpful thing when you get to the Olympics because you know, it's pretty easy to get overwhelmed there. I think I think he'll be in good stead. So I'm really excited to see what he does this year.
0: Well, Lyndon, uh, congratulations. You're a terrific ambassador for the sport. I, I love you. have always got a smile on your face, even though you're clearly hurting inside. A phenomenal run on <laughs> Wednesday night. Congratulations. And we'll be seeing and hearing a lot more from you.
12: Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for chat.
0: Try and run 1K flat out and see how you go. So Lyndon's run 2 minutes and 35 seconds on Wednesday night. <laughs> You like to think you can run and, and footballers do 1K time trials from time to time. And I put Adelaide's fitness test is three 1K time trials with a minute's break in between. And they're doing about, you know, just over three minutes. So Those phenomenal athletes that we've got. And Australian track and field athletics is in really good shape. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Plenty more we've got to get to this morning. Over and under coming up next some big, perhaps controversial topics on over and under. We might uh, get to that on the other side of the 10.30 news headlines with Meredith Gibbs. 24 minutes to 11 o'clock. We'll play over and under very, very shortly. We'd love to get you involved on that on one 736 736 Some news out of the Hawks, though. Uh, they have signed Lachlan Bramble to a one-year rookie contract as part of the preseason supplementary selection period. A uh, 22-year-old midfielder, will join Hawthorne from the Box Hill Hawks. Head of footy, um, Rob McCartney, said Bramble had impressed in the club's recent trial matches. Gosh, I hate this rule. I, I, I love it for Lockie Bramble and for Paul Hunter and players who get an opportunity that perhaps they wouldn't have. But to take players from the lower competitions on the 5th of March and up to the 9th of March, which is the deadline for it, isn't right. Clubs have that many opportunities to build their list at the end of the season. You've got a, a draft, a rookie draft, you've got the trade period, of course. All sorts of avenues to get your list right. Now, just because you you suffer some injuries, like every club is facing at the moment, you can go and steal players from the Sample or the VFL or the Waffle, wherever it is. Right, look, as I said, I love it for the players and they get to live their dream and, and they'll always accept that opportunity, but it, it does pillage the lower leagues it is it is a terrible rule there's no doubt about that Uh, time now though for over and under it's time to play overs and unders with Kane Corns for temper a mattress like no other for those new to it it is where we get our man Johnny to read out a statement and we got to decide whether it will be over or under that statement what's he got for us today Bend it around enough. It's across the face. King has taken a monster three meters out from goal. Another
11: contested mark in a in a six pack this time. From four meters out,
9: goal, and the Saints have a star on the rise. During the week, Essendon legend Matthew Lloyd said St Kilda Max King was capable of kicking 50 goals plus this year. King will kick 35 goals over or under.
0: Three goals last night. Gee, I love this player. He's um, The excitement's worth it because once he fills out, he's going to be something pretty special. Um, and St Kilda are lucky that they've got him. Three goals last night. As I said, he kicked 22 goals from his 18 games last year. Will he kick 35 this year? I don't think so. I'm going to go the under. I don't think um, he'll get anywhere near the 50 that... Lordo is is suggesting he will get there in time, but I don't think that is this year. There's got to be a stat for drop marks in the competition, and I reckon Max and Charlie Dixon would be at the top of the tree for drop marks. If he can somehow find a way to be a bit surer with his hands in the marking contest and contested situations, then perhaps 50 is realistic. But right now, he's probably sitting somewhere between that 28 to 34 goal range to be extremely specific. Saints fans, what do you reckon? 35 goals or under for Max King. What is it? number two?
7: Danaher, Danaher squeezed and found the path and kicked
4: the goal. Joey is back in a big way.
7: Four goals to Joe Danaher.
9: Mark Robinson had Joe Danaher at twenty-six in his Herald Sun Top Fifty AFL players. Should he be over or under that ranking?
0: Well, that's easy, isn't it? Joe Danher isn't the twenty sixth best player in the game right now. In fact, he's probably not top hundred, is he? On on evidence and what he has done in the last oh, four seasons. Now, potential, and I am not exactly sure the criteria for Robbo's top fifty. Whether it's by the end of the year, will they get to that ranking, or whether it is right now? If it's right now, he's he's nowhere near that. So, four games last year, he kicked three goals from those. Four games Now, in the, the little write-up in the Herald Sun where Robbo had him at 26, he said from four matches last season, Danaher rated elite for marks, contested marks, 50 marks. Well, he played four games and kicked seven goals. And what did he kick? Was it four of those in one game against Essendon? So, no, 26 is far too high for Joe Danaher. 04-33-98-11-16 is a temper text. What do you reckon? Where does he sit? amongst the game's best time for number three made the footy his own Cripps. the one two with bets he runs to 50 he's not sure what to do
9: he takes on the responsibility and he finishes that's better from the blue skipper mark robinson had patrick Cripps the number seven best player in the competition that is over or under where he should be well this
0: is an interesting one Patrick Cripps, number seven. And you look at it and you think, well, Cripps is seven. that That's about right. Or, you know, Patrick Cripps, um, number seven is about right. But look look a little bit closer to it. Patrick Cripps played every game last year, and he finished ninth in a club best and fairest that didn't play finals. You can't be the seventh best player in the competition if you finish ninth in your own club best and fairest And it wasn't a successful team. So if you finish ninth in a Premiership winning team in the best and fairest, and you perhaps miss five games for injury, you finish ninth. Well, no worries. But he finished ninth. And I just think he needs to be more influential on games. He kicked seven goals for the season last year, Patrick Cripps. He had nearly 200 more handballs than he had kicks. He needs to be more influential on games of footy. And perhaps we have overrated... And it's a it's a it's a big call, but perhaps we have overrated the actual output that Patrick Cripps have. We love the way he goes about it. We respect him. Um I certainly respect him for the heavy lifting he's done with no help around him at the Carlton Footy Club. But Blues fans, he finished ninth in your own club, best and fairest. He cannot be the seventh best player in the competition. So he should have been over that ranking. What's number four?
9: Believe it. Step one, step
5: two, and step three is kick the goal. How to kick a goal, Australian rules, football
7: style. How to kick it first from Jake Lever.
9: Melbourne Jake Lever signed a three-year contract extension during the week, which expires at the end of 2024. That is over or under what he should have got.
0: I would have thought over. I don't uh, I don't see the urgency to sign Jake Lever to a three-year deal. These fans, Max Gorn got a four-year contract. I can certainly understand that, Max Gorn. But Jake Lever, a three-year deal now. I would have probably waited till the, the the last third of the season before I made a call on that, considering the injuries that he's had. So I reckon that one's over. You know, a one or two year deal would have been fair for Jake Lever. And the last one is Didak plays on. They try and get him in a uh, a Shepherd arrangement back to oh, back. Look, yeah, the play, the, boy, oh, tackling. Oh, Look at the call. The...
5: There is a drawing of them. Do a push up with them on
4: top of you, Jakey. It's a group drawing, and Jake is being pounded into.
13: Everyone uh, on the ground's in the fight here. And the 4 footage still going, Brian. They've called and, play on it's and bouncing
5: around in the
13: middle
9: of the North. There's 15
5: a... fights going
9: on. James Brayshaw will team up with Brian Taylor and replace Bruce McAvaney in the Channel 7 commentary team for the early part of the season we should have our TV volume turned up to only 40%, over or under? Oh, that's harsh.
0: No, I'm over. I think that is an excellent team. I I know he's polarising. Let's start with BT. But I'm a BT fan. I think he's outstanding for the game. And I do like his work on Channel 7. And equally, I like the work of James Brasher. I think those two have excellent, um, what's the word, chemistry. And I think they'll do a fine job. And I think... The role that Hamish will play as host, and JB and BT, to use a few nicknames, which I don't often like to do, will do a good job. So I will have my TV volume turned up over 40%. Thank you very much, Johnny. 1-300-736-736. Can we quickly get to just a couple of your calls? Let's go to uh, who we got on the line. It is John is on the line. What do you think of my over and unders, Johnny.
1: Yeah, pretty good. Um, the
4: one I was interested in was Max King. I reckon he's going to kick more than 35 goals because I watched that match last night and with the new standing, the mark rule, I think all the key forwards are going to kick a lot more goals. And I think, personally, I think the AFL needs to adjust that rule already because the players on the mark are just a lame duck. They can't, They can't do anything. They can't move sideways. They can't jump up and down. They can't move backwards. I think there should be sort of like a one metre area that they're allowed to manoeuvre within. And if you go sideways outside a metre, then pay a 50. But otherwise, the players should still be able to do something and put players off when they're kicking for goal, etc. Or it'll just be a goal fest for everyone and the games are going to be very long.
0: It was last night. And does high scoring make for a great game? I would say no. And didn't the footy go for for a long period of time? And, you know, there's, there's clearly... If you're looking at a pendulum, there's a there's a spot there that the AFL are looking at. You wonder with all the rules that they've changed and not just this new stand one, which is topical, but even the interchange cap, the 10-metre protected zone, which they've brought in, the starting positions, which they've brought in in recent years, has that pendulum swung too far? So we will get go too far the other way. Uh, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure exactly how to orchestrate it so it sits where it needs to sit, but If we saw footy like we did last night for the whole season, everyone that's been screaming out for high-scoring footy is going to say this is rubbish. This is the NBA All-Star game where no one cares and no one defends or it's the State of Origin game for Bushfire Relief when no one defended and no one cared. You'd quickly lose interest in the game if it happens that way. But the AFL's made their bed on that one. Let's go to Marty. Over and under, Marty, which one caught your attention?
8: Yeah, okay, no, quick comment on all of them. Uh, Kingy, if he plays 20 games plus, will kick over 35. Same reasons, they're trying yep. to get more and more goals in the game. Uh, Chris and Danaher, overrated. Danaher's had one big season. Chris is very consistent, skill wise average. Can't be in the top 10 players. Uh, what was the other two?
0: The other two was Jake Lever's contract. There was uh, Joe Danaher, there was Brian Taylor, and BT. Um, and. Um, the Jake first Leaver. one. Yeah, the first one was yeah, Max King.
8: Yeah, Jake Le. Yeah, you probably gotta give him a couple of year contract, but not a big goal, it's just a good coin. And uh yeah, B T and James, they'll get into each other. There'll be some stupid
0: moments, there'll be some funny moments, but you're gonna you're gonna to them. 'em, you're gonna listen to it. Yeah, you'll be entertained. And you know, I wanna I, I want I wanna turn on the footy, I wanna be informed and I wanna be entertained. And I wanna watch the game. Now Regardless of who was commentating, I'd watch um, the footy. So I, I don't tune into the footy on Channel 7 on a Friday night or to Foxtel when they do a game and turn off if there's a commentary team that I don't rate. So we're going to watch it regardless. I think those two will, will, do, a, will do a pretty good job. Uh, will it be Bruce McEvaney and Dennis Committee? No, it won't, but they'll, they'll do a good job. Andy's on the road. G'day to you, Andy. Hey,
1: And Before I, uh, just, we discuss Danaher... Um, I've worked out a bit of a glitch. And if it is BT and
0: um, um, what's his uh, show Bob. Yeah, Shaw. I've worked it
1: out. If you listen to SCN on the app, there is the same delay as there is on the, uh, on the uh, Channel 7 coverage on a Thursday or Friday night. So that would be, what was your over and
0: under? 40% on TV volume. Okay. I right, only need one button mute and then listen to SEN,
1: that's my, that's, that's, I cannot listen to people screaming at me when I'm watching footy. I don't want, if I want the people screaming at me, I listen
5: to my kids.
0: Yeah. That's that's the ideal situation. Um, And I mean, without being biased, if you're lining up the two commentary teams of, of what SEN and AFL Nations coverage will, will deliver for you on a Friday night and if it's Jared and Hutto, which I assume it will be with Gary Lyon, then you're not going to get any better than that. So if you can find out a way to, to mute Channel 7 and have the AFL Nation call team in SEN, then all power to you. If I could work it out, I'd do it. Peter is in Preston. G'day to you, Pete. Yeah, Kane,
8: how many concussions
0: do you have when you played, mate? Only one. What have I done now?
4: Well, there's something, clearly you need some test notes because you come out and say that
0: about Patrick Cripps, there's something wrong with you, mate, let me tell you. Well, well did, I, did I not make a fair argument, Peter? He he finished ninth in your own club, best and fairest, as, as rated by the coaches. He played every game and he finished ninth. Can can you be the the seventh best player in the competition if you're not even the seventh best player for any one season at your own club?
4: You might want to go back twelve months previously when he won the AFL Players MVP by a record margin. Clearly played injured last year with a shoulder and other injuries, and did come out and say that it just shows that um, you don't know much about it. Kane, to be quite honest.
0: That's fair. It's a it's a it's a opinion business, Pete. Um, but I would take up your your argument with the coaches at the Carlton Footy Club, who ranked him ninth in a team that didn't even play finals, and. I think the best midfielders in the competition now have the ability to go forward and impact forward. Um, and so let's you know line up the amount of score involvements and impact on the scoreboard that Dangerfield and Martin and Petrarca and Lockie Neal had over someone like Cripps who doesn't kick the ball. He had 150 kicks last year. So – He's, I'm not saying he's not capable of being the seventh best player in the competition, but there's some adjustments in his game that needs to be made to make sure that he has the impact that he should be having on games. Anthony is on the line. G'day to you, Anthony. Cain, good
8: morning, mate. I'm going to back Peter up and exactly the same as what he said. And you're right. It's an opinion game. And um, yes, Cripps was definitely down on his form last year. Anyway, anybody and everybody knows that, mate, but you put Cripps into Richmond's team and he'll have his free Norm Smiths. You put him into the Geelong team and he'll have a couple of premierships there, mate. You put him into Port Adelaide and he'll have those flags that you're dreaming of. He has carried that club for the last half a dozen years and he was playing 50% fit last year. It was a down year. Yes, Kane, yes. But he is definitely in the best five plays. And the reason why his handballs are so high... Mate, he's getting tackled by three opponents every single contest, every single stoppage, every single play. They're hanging off him, mate. The bloke's a superstar. Put him in a good team, and he'd be the best player we've ever seen.
0: Yeah, I respect him. I I absolutely respect him for the the work that he has done solo in that midfield for a a long period of time now. Um, But he averages 0.4 of a goal per game, Um, and he averages nine kicks a game. So he, he handles the ball too much for me. And you saw the adjustments Lockie Neal made in his game where he came out publicly and said, I want to use my legs more. I want to kick the ball more. He was, he was a handballer, Lockie Neal. And he doesn't have the weapons that Cripps has, but Lockie Neal was breaking from stoppage. He was having shots on goal. He was kicking the ball more. His metres gained was up and he wins a Brownlow medal. Uh, Cripps is absolutely capable of that, but he can't do it having nine kicks and 0.4 of a goal per game. Patrick Dangerfield um, averages just under 13 kicks and point one goals a game over a long long period of time so he's not at that level um in my opinion but i appreciate your thoughts uh brenda is on the line hello to you brenda will quick in fact we'll just hold on to brenda we're just i'm just going a little bit over where i wanted to be if you want to have your say on over and under one 736 736 pete's in ballarat brenda's going to join us on the other side of this
2: on ECN, the captain's run with Kane coins.
0: couple of minutes to 11 o'clock. We'll quickly race to Pete in Ballarat. He's been patient. G'day to you, Pete.
13: G'day, Kane. Two quick ones, please, mate. Can you tell me who are the rule makers in the AFL and what was the main reason behind them bringing in this stand on the mark rule? Because sometimes last night it was policed, sometimes it wasn't. And the main one I saw is if someone's having a shot for goal from an angle... The bloke had to stand still on the mark while the other guy sort of crept around Buddy Franklin style and he was nowhere near when he actually kicked the ball. So can you tell me why they actually brought this rule in, please, mate?
0: We'll address that after 11 o'clock. Needs a bit more time to explain it. I did notice what you noticed, though. Uh, Let me say that. Uh, Brenda is in Thornbury. Hello, Brenda.
10: Hi, Kane. I've been told to be very quick, so I will. Look, I'm I'm an absolute number one supporter of Patrick Cripps and Carlton, but I do agree with you, which is strange. But I do agree with you that um, <laughs> he has <laughs> he has to be more influential. He just has to be. And I hate watching him play injured. And I've seen him come off crying in the Bolton years. And for his own good, if he's if it doesn't work this year, I, I just think he's got to go somewhere else. Anyway, um, and I don't want that to happen, mind you, but I do agree he's got to be
0: more influential. And Good on you, Brenda. What do you think? Do you agree? Um, we'll get to just some of Lockie Neal's numbers, which uh, backs up the point that I made. He is capable of doing it, but he needs to influence games more, and I don't see him as the number seventh best player in the competition. We'll take plenty of calls on the other side of the 11 o'clock news. Big last hour coming up. Uh, we're going to cross to the West very, very shortly. Big uh, week of news out West in particular in relation to Willy Rioli. Finally, we've got a resolution to that. We'll get the latest with Ryan Daniels in a matter of moments. We'll also play the quiz. Great prizes up for grabs for the quiz as always. And from time to time, we do mean tweets on the show. Not, not a mean tweets situation necessarily this morning, But I do have some news for you in relation to mean tweets. Um, Just keeping update with some footy news that's come to hand whilst we've been on air this morning. Rory Laird, according to The Age, is set to sign a five-year contract at the Adelaide Football Club, which is great news for the Crows, considering the players they've lost in recent times. Hawthorne have added Lachlan Bramble to its list uh, on their supplementary selection period, which ends on March the 9th. So he will join them, 22-year-old speedy midfielder. Great news for Lachlan, but not sure we like the rule. And Connor Rosie from Port Adelaide, this absolutely breaks my heart. Um, It appears he will be having surgery prior to the start of the season, which you would think would keep him out for a little while to start the year. I said we're going to go west. There's none better than Ryan Daniels in that part of the world. He's from the West Australian. He's from Channel 7 and he joins us. Ryan, thanks for your time again. No
13: worries, Kane. Good morning to you. Is
0: it still morning over there or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, 11.05. I know it's a bit earlier for you, so we appreciate you joining us at that stage of your uh, time zone. Willie Rioli, we finally have a resolution. He can train with the club as of June. He can play in August. His two-year sanction has been backdated, which means he'll be back sooner rather than later. Um, what's the reaction to that been?
13: Um, There's there's sort of a slip reaction over here. We're talking about sort of the the punters and the the masses of footy fans over in WA. I think, as you can imagine, West Coast Eagles fans and and the club are thrilled. Um, Willie Riola getting to play at some point this year, you know, injury permitting, um, is a stunning result, really. Mm -hmm. I think everybody was bracing for the four years. Um, Typically, uh, Sports Integrity Australia and WADA... You know, they come down pretty heavily on tampering incidents. Um, From the conversations I've had in the last couple of days, not all tampering is equal. Um, I think they thought, you know, in this scenario, despite the fact that Willie uh, tampered twice and spat Gatorade into his sample twice, which was a bit of a stunning revelation yesterday, um, it's still not seen as sinister as, say, exchanging somebody else's urine for yours um, or, you know... Trying to destroy the sample itself, so mm. it, it was a sort of a grey area. It was a really difficult one. In fact, I, I doubt they've had anything like this before uh, to go through. Um, now, in saying that, um, yes, fantastic result for Willy Rioli to get two years and possibly play this year. Um, but, and I know you've been big on this, the system itself uh, really moved far too slowly uh, in this month. Looking after players mental and physical and emotional well-being it was uh pretty disgraceful
0: really from the start uh, right through the end uh well said couldn't have said it better and if this isn't a wake-up call to the system i don't know what is because they were they pointed out that the delay wasn't on the rioli end as well i think that came to hand if i'm correct in the findings yesterday for those that aren't aware um what did he do what did he do wrong exactly
13: Yeah, so, I mean, there was three separate sort of issues with this. And the main issue, it's always, they always start with the first issue. And unless there's a more serious issue after that, it's still graded on the first one. So the fact that he's tampered with a sample, he spat some Gatorade into it, trying to substitute it for urine. um, It's understood from the conversations that I've had that he was basically trying to top up his sample because he claims that he couldn't get enough of a sample. He's dehydrated. Now, whether that's the case or not, who knows? Um, but he's done it again at a second instance a couple of weeks later and then on that same uh, testing instance he's also tested positive for marijuana so there's three issues there now the marijuana one gets thrown out basically because it's the lesser of the two offenses
0: yeah. so
13: that one wasn't even taken into account now the irony in all of this if he's, is if he he'd just taken the test and got a positive test for marijuana there's two things that could have happened if it was his first or second strike no-one would have even found out about it. The coach on the second strike would have found out. Willie, of course, would have found out on the first strike. Um, only if it was a third strike would he have actually gained a suspension, and that would have likely only been three months. Hmm. So worst-case scenario here was a three-month suspension. Now, Willie obviously didn't quite understand the system. He's panicked for whatever reason, um, and it's actually cost him you know, an extra year and a half-plus of football. So, yeah, it's, the whole situation was, was pretty messy. Um, in every single account. Uh, He doesn't get a free pass. He was guilty. Um, He's copped for two years, and and it's been, as we've sort of discussed, really quite a difficult process for everybody involved. Uh, Now, whether that system changes or not comes down to a lot of things, Kane.
0: Mm, No doubt. And the club has done a pretty good job from afar by standing by him and supporting him and being conscious of his well-being. Is that fair? And recently he's posted some social media clips. He looks hungry. He looks in reasonable physical condition. And they'd probably be expecting him to make an impact come finals time.
7: Oh, yeah.
13: He's very important to what they do. They've been pretty good to him. I mean, he's been under contract. He's still contracted for 2022 as well. Uh, But as you know, a lot of these contracts are tied to match payments and incentives. So, you know, he's been on a base wage essentially since this began. Uh, they've still been paying him because they have to. They've been supporting him. Their QC, David Grace, who looks after all the Eagles stuff with tribunals and other legal matters, Uh, he represented Willie. Um, So there was a fair bit of support there. Uh, I know a lot of his teammates have been rallying around him. As I said, he's super important to what they do. Since he's been out, they've tried about 17 different blokes to fill that spot. No one can do what he does. He's such a special talent. And I, I actually believe just before this all happened that he was emerging as if not the best small forward in the game, in the top handful at least. And his career trajectory was on a very similar uh, run to Liam Ryan, and we've seen what he was able to achieve last year. So uh, a massive hole to fill. Who knows if he'll be you know, fit enough or ready enough to play at the end of this year, but at least there's some clarity, um, and at least they can go forward with a plan. He can return to train in June, uh, June 20 uh, and then be available to play August 20, which is, right in line with round 23. I think the Eagles play Brisbane at the Gabba, and they also have a waffle game over here against Claremont. So I would say if he's fit and ready to go, he'll be playing in definitely one of those games and and Mm. potentially even the AFL fixture.
0: Yeah, still only 26 when he returns. 25 currently turns 26 in June. So, you know, hopefully still four or five good years of footy left in him. Let's stay on the Eagles because they've been hit by the injury stick uh, also. A couple of their key players in doubt for round one.
7: Yeah, it's it's a bit of a sluggish
13: start. I mean, you've seen this many times before at the start of a season. Just the big names start having these little niggling injuries, and it does mean usually it translates to a slow start. Uh, Nick Nananui didn't play in last week's scratch match against Frio. He will play on Sunday. That was never a concern. It was some slight soreness in the hamstring. They're very, very careful with Nick. Uh, But he's fine. He's good to go. Josh Kennedy won't play this weekend again They always treat him with cotton wool. He'll be Mm. there when the whips are cracking. The real concern, Kane, is Elliot Yeo. Um, He hasn't been able to do anything other than running um, for a very long time. He's had a super, super slow ease in. They had to take him back a couple of steps a few weeks ago. It's osteitis pubis, which, as we know, you don't want to aggravate. Um, So it's a bit of a concern for Elliot. I I wouldn't be expecting to see him for at least the first month of the season um, and potentially longer. Um, He's so important to what they do. It's why we've seen Liam Duggan switched into the midfield. It's why Alex Witherman is finding a spot in that 22. Um, But it is a bit of an issue. Tim Kelly's also missing this weekend with a thumb, which has really bothered him the last two or three weeks. Uh, But they do expect him to be there round one.
0: Ryan Daniels is the most prominent uh, footy journo in Western Australia. He's from Channel 7 and also the West Australian. So that's the Eagles side of things. Fremantle seem in pretty good shape as well. Uh, what are their expectations on the young Freo side this year?
13: Uh, it's all good feelings for Freo over here, mate. It yeah. can change pretty quickly. I mean, the sort of the end of the Ross line regime. I mean, fantastic coach that Ross was. It, it, it had become past the point of no return. In, ten, in terms of the vibe and, the, you know, the development of that squad, they had ran its race, and I think everybody knew that. They've had a complete turnover, new CEO, new coach, new footy boss, new president even, you know, within the last two to three years. It's a massive turnover And now there's a lot of buzz. New coach, of course, too. Justin Longmuir, he's done a fantastic job so far. The buzz surrounds the midfield mainly. Caleb Sarong, Andy Brayshaw, Adam Chera. You could make an argument that that's, you know, one of the most talented, not the most talented midfield trio under sort of 22, 23 in the AFL. Uh, Big future for all those three guys. Uh, They've had really big summers. Um, And then there's, of course, you know, the, the draftees they brought in last year, Hayden Young, Liam Henry, even Heath Chapman. So... It's that sort of honeymoon period now where the expectations are still low, but they're, not, they're probably not going to be a bottom four to six side. They could play finals if everything goes right. Uh, it's really in that sweet spot for the Dockers. Um, and I think footy clubs really enjoy that, that hopeful period where you know, everybody's excited about what they could potentially achieve.
0: And what's that power-hungry Premier of yours, Mark McGowan, up to? Is he going to open <laughs> up these borders in time or what? Because I know that oh, it has ramifications for you and your family as well.
13: Oh, it does, mate. I, I, like, I, I refresh quite constantly the, uh, the situation with <laughs> yeah. the down and the, but the last conversations I've had with it were that they're still working through possible exemptions for the footy clubs, whether they can get the, the turnover down from that 14-day incubation to maybe a five- to seven-day period where you come in, you're sort of here for a few days and you go. Uh, that's the issue. The border, as it stands, will come down in time for the season. Mm. But the issue is that, you know, at, at, the, at the drop of a hat, you know, one or two cases in a cluster, that can change. So it's all good and fine to say, no, it's, it's fine. The border will be down for round one. Well, what happens if Fremantle are over there playing uh, Melbourne in round mm. one and something happens while they're there? Can they come home? What does that mean? Can the Eagles go to Melbourne the week after to play the Bulldogs? So the clubs are are just trying to get all of that sorted out. Um, They want some sort of clarity. There is an election here next Saturday which might have a bearing on that. These politicians do like to to, uh, grandstand a little, as you know, in the lead up to an election. Um, But I think once that election is done, uh, we might see a little bit more clarity with this. It's not going to be like last year. The big thing to remember is, Kane, at this point last year or at the start of the season, WA's borders were shut to everybody. It wasn't selective. It wasn't, okay, Queensland, South Australia, New South Wales are good. We can go there and come from there. Victoria's bad, you can't. It was just everybody's out no matter what your situation is. Now that's changed. It's now selective. It does give a bit more flexibility. Um, And I would expect, hopefully, fingers across touching wood. the McGowan will soften slightly by the time the season starts and our crowd numbers should be up to about 75%, hopefully by round yeah. one, maybe round two or three.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So has that been released yet? We're seeing the grounds, you know, uh, MCG, Marvel, locked in, Adelaide Oval the same, but Optus Stadium haven't locked in their crowd figure yet?
13: No, currently it's still 35,500 um, and that'll be the case for this Sunday. they are probably nudge sort of high 20s, low 30s for a pre-season game. That's how thirsty everybody is for footy here. Um, but I would expect mm. it to be at 45 by the time the season kicks off, maybe a round or two later, um, which is good enough for Fremantle. From, from what I've, conversations I've had with them, that's enough for them to you know, make some good money and get all their members in. It's difficult for the Eagles. They've got you know, a massive membership base and corporate base, so it's a bit harder for them. Um, but the expectation is you could have a full house late you know, latest possible by middle of the season, assuming, assuming, which is dangerous, that everything remains on track. So, you know, we're always nervous. It could
0: change in an instant. Yeah, no doubt. I'll be packing extra clothes if I was a Fremantle or West Coast player on the road. Hey, mate, we really appreciate your time and your coverage. It's outstanding. Hopefully we can catch up with you throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely, Kane. Anytime, mate. Good on you, mate. Ryan Daniels with the latest on the Willy Rioli situation and... Exactly what he did has finally come to light. So, hopefully, that clears that up a little bit. But uh, hopefully, for Willie's sake, he's a, he's a good young man with a good heart. And he's made a terrible mistake that's cost him dearly. But I hope he still has a lot more footy left in him. It is a
2: captain's run with cane coins.
0: Coming. Oh boy, welcome back. It's a long way to go to the toilet in here if you need to, down a lift, down the basement and back if the lift takes a little bit longer than you expected you get back just in time hey big game for the aussies jason pine is our cricket expert from the new zealand herald he joins us and aussies did keep the five game t20 series alive with an emphatic win in game number three jason is on the line jake thanks for your time yeah good thanks Kane. great to see you mate Oh, sorry about my little false start there. Hey, what did you make of the Aussies in Game 3? It looked like a completely different outfit.
8: Yeah, they turned up. Um, you know, <laughs> they were really, really good the other night. I'm not saying they hadn't in the first two games. So game 2 and Dunedin was pretty close, and, and Stoinis and Sam's almost got, got Australia home. But the other night in Wellington, uh, they were just a class above. From the moment they came out, um, obviously lost the early look at Matthew Wade, but... Aaron Finch, who I know has been under immense pressure mm. from Australian cricket fans to get some runs, did get some, 69. Glenn Maxwell came in the big show and just absolutely smashed it all around Sky Stadium, including, you might have picked this up, uh, Kane, he, he broke one of the seats at, um, at Sky Stadium, <laughs> put a big hole in it. Obviously, no no crowds over here at the moment, so no one was in any personal danger, but he's broken a seat. And uh, the, um, the chief executive of the stadium has since got Glenn Maxwell to sign that seat, and he's auctioning it off for, um, for women's refuge. So um, so there's the money going to charity courtesy of uh, Glenn Maxwell. But then, obviously, New Zealand came out chasing 209 to win, didn't even get close. And Ashton Hagar, I mean, how often do you see a guy get no. six wickets in a C20 game, six for 30? What a performance from him. So comprehensive victory for Australia. Going to give them huge confidence going into game four uh, this evening and uh, and what they hope will still be a live series when they're back there on Sunday.
0: It's funny, Jason, isn't it, with, with Aaron Finch, like, and, and sometimes the sporting gods go against you, and I don't think that's any more evident than in the game of cricket. First ball looked out to me from, from where I was sitting you know, a million kilometres away, but it was an umpire's call. Had it gone the other way, he's gone, another duck, and the pressure ramps up. And he he survived, and he made the most of that opportunity. Yeah, and, and you're
8: so right. It's just the smallest of margins, Kane, isn't it? And... And Mm. I was the same as you. It looked out on first look. And, you know, an upwise call means, yes, it's hitting the stumps. So um, had had he been given out and he'd reviewed, then uh, he would have been gone. So it's a a very small margin. But once he, he, you know, rode that little piece of luck, he was really good, I thought. You know, he he showed the player that we all know that he is. And and what do they say, you know, forms temporary, classes permanent. He's always been a a classy T20 player. And you Know if you want to look at the um at the sickle nature of T20, what about Jimmy Neesham who uh two or three nights before or days before in Dunedin had scored 45 out of 16 balls and then taken two for 10 and a pressure over to get New Zealand home the other night, four overs, none for 60 and a first ball duck.
0: So, yeah, it's cruel, it's it, <laughs> cruel. The T20 game is cruel, particularly mostly if you're a bowler. You don't often get nights like Ashton Agar had six for 30 off his four. It doesn't often go that way for the bowlers, particularly on the, the small grounds over there in New Zealand. Uh, we've been speaking a little about the, the COVID landscape over here and we whinge and complain a little bit, probably not understanding how good we've got it. But you know, I'm a bit critical of the Victorian government for their crowd capacity. You've just said you've got no one there. What's the reaction to the hard stance that your government takes, anything related to COVID?
8: Yeah, it's, um, it probably depends largely who you talk to. I know that there is um, perhaps a growing fatigue with, um, with with going into lockdowns and actually mm. in a few hours we're going to find out whether the latest restrictions are going to be released and if they are then game three of these three matches in Wellington, game five of the series on Sunday will have crowds. The uh, latest um, restrictions are due to end at six o'clock on Sunday morning so if that's the case then we, we can have fans along on, on Sunday but I think mean, you know, I think all sports fans know that um that there's nothing like being at a live sport event uh, sporting event and and, and also watching the live sport event on T V where the crowd is a big part of the viewing experience. You know, Sky Stadium in Wellington's this big cavernous arena with, you know, bright mm. yellow seats that look you know, it makes it look even more empty when there's nobody in there. And and for the players themselves who will tell you, you know, they're professionals, they'll play regardless. It has to be um, a factor in their heads as well as they, if they, you know, come to terms with the very surreal nature of what's going on. To answer your question, um, look, I think we'd love to to, um, to, obviously, you know, be as normal as possible. And a bit like yourselves, I think, in Australia, uh, the COVID response has been, on the whole, pretty good and has allowed us mm. to get back to some sense of normality a lot quicker than other countries. But we'd still have to be there. I'd love to be down there this afternoon, this evening, uh, to watch um, to watch these two teams go at it with um, twenty or five twenty five thousand of my countrymen and women
0: there with me, but unfortunately we can't do that. Well, Jason, I'm glad the Aussies at least made a series out of it because it was looking a, a little bit embarrassing at one point there. H- hopefully, it's another good match tonight. We we always appreciate your update and your coverage. It's outstanding, appreciate it once again today. Yeah, great to chat to you again. Stay safe, mate. New Zealand taking on Australia. That one's in Wellington, 5 o'clock Victorian time. You'll see that, and that coverage has been available on Foxtel and the live stream on KO, of course. Plenty coming up after this, including the quiz. If you want to play the quiz, last person standing, the number's one 736 We'll find a good prize for the winner, as always. We'll do Chad's brother's quiz on the other side of this. Now it's time for Chad's brother's quiz. Well, that it is. And a pre-season theme quiz this morning. So what's your memories like? I'm just glancing the five questions here. You know the format, last person standing will be the winner of the quiz for your Friday. Tougher than usual. So I reckon it's a 20% harder quiz than usual. So if you're not confident of the people lining up to have a crack... Give us a call as soon as there is a wrong answer anthony unfortunately is first it's going to be difficult to have a clean sweep anthony but good luck and welcome thanks kane i'll do my best uh, north melbourne will take on hawthorne tomorrow at what location Jeez, arden street good guess now that that was that was the easiest of the five questions the first time the preseason tournament had naming rights was in nineteen eighty-eight. What was it called? Eighty-eight. Um, escort cup? No, but it was a reasonable it was a reasonable guess, Anthony. So you're out. Let's go to Cam, who's on the line. G'day, out, Cam. G'day, Kano. <laughs> Good to speak to you. The first time the preseason tournament had naming rights it was way back in nineteen eighty eight. How old were you in eighty eight, Cam? Were you born?
5: Uh, oh, I was one and a half.
0: You were one and a half. Well you wouldn't remember that then, so it's gonna to be tough. What was it called though? Who had the first naming rights?
5: Uh we'll go Foster's.
0: Wasn't Foster's, but once again it was a, a very reasonable and astute guess. Daniel is in Pasco Vale. Good day, Dan. Janus,
1: how you going?
0: Were you born in eighty eight? I was born in 74. So you might have a bit, more, a bit more of a chance. What was the first pre-season cup called when it uh, had naming rights? I
8: reckon
0: it was called the Sterling Cup. Not by my calculations, it wasn't. Kyle, Kyle was on the line. Hi, Kyle. Okay. Hey, I said it was a tough quiz, and it's proving to be. The first time the pre-season tournament had naming rights was in 1998. What was it called?
1: Was it Panasonic?
0: Yes. Good Googling from you. Good Googling. Question number three uh, is the first, sorry, the longest naming rights association was between 2006 and 2016. What company had the rights during that era? NAB. NAB, yep. Name three of the four teams in the 2019 AFLX tournament. Uh, Deadlies. Yep. Uh, three uh, seconds. Three. Yeah. Two. No. Come on. Hit advantage. me. No. Okay. Just, yeah, one One more. Three. And uh, two. One, no, he's Define. out. Gave him, gave him enough time. Gave him enough time there. So let's go to Sam in Elwood. Name three of the four teams in the 2019 AFLX tournament, Sammy. Uh, <clears throat> you're
1: right, okay. uh, Deadly
8: Flyers and Rampage.
0: Yes. And you know, do you know what the other one was? For it, just for a bonus point, for a bit of fun. Uh, bolt. Yes, it was the Bolts for the win. Perhaps it hasn't proven to be as difficult as I assumed it would. I've underestimated the intelligence of our audience right here on SEN. What year was the Super Goal introduced in the pre-season tournament?
8: I'm going to have to have a, have a stab here. Kane, I reckon it would have been...
0: Uh, Three,
8: two,
0: One. No, it wasn't 2013. Let's go to Mick, who wants to play the quiz for the win. He's come along at the right time. Hi, Mick.
1: Oh, Kane,
0: how are you mate? Oh look. I reckon it's well before that, I'll go two thousand and three. He's won it. Mick's done it. All. That's a it's a. if it was a guess, it's a fair guess. Hey Mick, if I still got you there, do you like the yeah. rule? Should should you be rewarded extra points for kicking a goal outside fifty? Yeah, I
3: like it. Yeah, no, I, I don't
0: mind it. Yeah, yeah, you put it yourself. Yeah, I didn't mind the rule either. I, I guess if you were gonna bring it in in the real stuff, the conditions and all those types of things would, would make it interesting. But I like the fact that you can get back into a game of footy if you're, I don't know, 23 points down with six minutes to go, that you got the possibility for a couple of super goals worth nine points. Remember, they also had the uh, bonus if you kicked a super goal, um, I think it was a thousand bucks or something, went to your junior club. So what under you, Mickey boy? I'll put you back to the boys in the studio. They'll sort you out with a magnificent prize. That was Chad's brother's quiz this morning. Had another, in fact, it is a round of golf um, with a cart, if you don't mind, for two people at Club Mandalay. Great supporters of ours. A must-play course in Melbourne's north going to. Mickey, got some opportunity to take your calls now. Lines available if you haven't had a chance to have your say. There's a lot of things we've spoken about. Uh, Where does Patrick Cripps rank in the best players in the competition? Mark Robinson um, did his top 50, which is difficult to do and always... um, always debatable of where the players sit he had him at seven I think that's too high for Patrick Cripps considering a number of factors you can have your say on that should we be allowed to trade for coaches like we do for players and I think a a Buckley Clarkson swap at the end of the year somewhat excites me and I think it would be a good fit for both clubs. but I also saw during the week that the NBA three-point competition, uh, which we know about. And if you don't, let's have a little bit of a listen to one of the highlights of the previous NBA three-point contest. And see now he's found the range. It's so effortless. It's so effortless.
7: It's so easy. He is putting a lot of pressure. He's putting that that pressure.
2: Who's the best shooter in Golden State? Who's the best shooter in Golden State? I want you to know.
0: We love it. We love it, don't we? That so that was um, our man, a good friend of the show, Steph Cur- Steph Curry in the in one of the three point competitions. So he's going to back up again in at, at the All Star break. They have all sorts of things: dunk contest, you know about three point skills contest, all the best players in playoff, uh, East versus West. Could we not do something similar in the AFL? So let, let's scrap the halftime sprint. Uh, it has no relevance. No one cares about it. No one remembers who's won the last grand final sprint that we have. Why can't we have... I'm, call, I'm coming up with a new concept. I'm calling it the Peter Dacos grand final shootout at halftime of grand final day. So my idea is that we have six players, like the NBA three-point contest, Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, Devin Booker, are all going to front up in the NBA Why can't we have six players, 15 kicks, five stations of three balls, two stations, one for the check side, one for the banana, one station outside 50 from, say, 55 metres out directly in front, which you must kick a torpedo, and one just from a a, a nice 40 metres out, slight angle just to test your true accuracy. So to be involved, you've got to be... A super skilled marksman, you know, one of the best goal kickers across different types of shots. You also have a pink Sharon uh, at one of the stations and two red Sharon's. The pink Sharon's worth two, like they do um, with the money ball at the NBA three-point competition. Should we have that? And if we did, who are your players that should get the invite to it? So I got I got my six. I got my six players that would qualify for the Peter Daykos Grand Final shootout. Halftime of grand final day. There's also a time limit on it, so players would have to run from station to station. I've got Dustin Martin. I've got Eddie Betts. I've got Jack Gunston, Charlie Cameron, Isaac Rankin, and Jeremy Cameron in the Dacos grand final shootout. Who from your club is worthy and who would be highly competitive like they have it in the NBA and the three-point competition? And would it add to the halftime entertainment. You you may need to extend halftime a little bit, but who cares? The Super Bowl the halftime break goes for about 45 minutes. I think it is much more entertaining and interesting um, than a halftime sprint. 1-300-736-736 or 433 16 Who are the players that you think should qualify for the Dacos shootout at halftime of an AFL grand final? Ange is in Williamstown. He joins me. Good morning to you, Ange.
9: G'day. How are you, Cate?
0: Good, mate. What's your thoughts?
9: Uh, look, I, I like the idea, but I, I reckon you might be better off having teams. So you have your five or six stations, teams that don't make the grand final. Um, you line them up, and uh, whoever scores the most points from all those angles that takes home the, the Peter Dacos Cup, or whatever you like to call it, So, are a bit of interest amongst all the teams.
0: So the AFL teams, they send, they send their best, what, two or three players, and you compete just, as a team. Line,
9: line, yeah, line them up on the stations, and they
0: were, they're they all ready to go. There you go. I'm, I'm just conscious of time and and how you would go working through sixteen teams in a halftime break. But I'm open to it. I'm all ears as always. Marty is on the line. What's your thoughts on it, Marty?
8: Yeah, okay, i ringing your back, mate. Two, two points. Firstly, on uh, Willie Rioli, that guy you had on,
0: Ryan I Daniels. Thought, yep.
8: If you got, yeah, if you got drug tests, that he was trying to say that on the day of the game, if he got drug tested and he didn't do what he did because he was only doing marijuana, he would have only got a three-month thing after the third thing. But my, my my rule, what I know of, is that if you get drug tested on the day of a game and you're caught with any drugs in your system, then you're gone, mate.
0: It's it's a little bit confusing. So there's, there's an illicit drug testing uh, program in the AFL, which obviously test for illicit substances, but not performance enhancing. And that falls under the illicit code. So first strike anonymous, second strike, there's a, it's, it's changed a little bit. I think it's a, it might, your name may be published and there's a sanction there. Third strike, you get a longer sanction. Um, but it doesn't, it's not performance enhancing, but then there is the ASADA testing. Now this is what Willie Rioli was tested for. He may have been confused. It wasn't on game day. It was at training um, and I, I'm not sure where I should know, but off the top of my head, I'm not sure where marijuana sits in terms of the performance enhancing situation and whether they count that as performance enhancing. I can't see how it is, but that's where it's a little bit confusing. And that's where Willie himself got a little bit confused and, and basically, uh, undid himself. Ken's on the line. He's giving us a buzz. Hi, Ken. I uh, love the idea of the Dacos shootout. From the pies, I'd have Jordan degoey Yeah, see, I thought about degoey but he misses too many goals from 30 metres out directly in front. Yeah, that's
8: probably don't, the, the, the... Don't you the think? That's
7: not
0: a problem, but yeah, those 30 out dead in front, yeah, he's not the best. Yeah, he makes me nervous, Degoe. Like, set shot, 30 metres out, directly in front, never fills me with any confidence that he's, he's going to be accurate now Mason Cox on the other hand lay down go to the bathroom get yourself a drink because you know he's going to kick a goal from 30 meters out directly in front not as confident with Mason probably on the angles that the goal he is good at but six players that should qualify for the Dacos shootout I got my six I got Betts I got Martin I got Jeremy Cameron I think Isaac Rankin is going to be uh, this year, pretty outstanding that space. I think Jack Gunston's been one of the most accurate players in recent times. Got confidence in him. And, and Jeremy Cameron for the distance, for the power, and his left foot, I reckon is worthwhile of a shot. It's 10 minutes to 11 o'clock. We'll be wrap, back to wrap up proceedings. We'll also speak to Gianni on the other side of this. And don't forget to listen to Your Sporting Life on Sunday from 10. Sammy Edmund's been speaking to Australia's sports' biggest names, and arguably, our most successful golfer ever is Kari Webb. She's going to join him. It's all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives.
2: On his end, the captain's run with cane corns.
0: Uh, before we go, I've got to whip through a couple of your calls. Thank you for them. Gianni's been waiting patiently on the road. Uh, hello and welcome to you.
4: Hi. Hi, Kano. Um, I really love the idea. It takes us competition. Yeah, I like the whole things about the ping shouting at the money ball as well. That is sensational. And uh, Who, will you put the counter time as well, like the clock shot timer, so yeah, more that, pressure more exciting. There'd have
0: to be, yeah, there'd have to be a, a time clock like there is in the NBA shootout because that urgency adds to the pressure. What it is. 15 kicks and you've got to move between stations. I would think around five minutes is fair. So the only challenge would be how long can you extend the halftime break for and how would you fit that in? But I think there's something in it. I'd much rather watch that than um, a few uh, lesser-known C-grade footballers uh, having a half time sprint. I think it's more interesting than that. Fog, welcome to you. We'll sneak you in as well. Hello.
1: G'day. G'day. Um- you could probably sneak this thing in just before the actual game, I reckon, if you're looking for time. Well, that's true. And uh, the player I'd put on, if he had a bit of money on himself, would be Jaden Stevenson.
0: Jaden Stevenson, yeah, he's he's pretty good, isn't he, from, from the tight angles? Loves, loves the first quarter, Jaden Stevenson. In the news this week, spoke to Damien Barrett from au, and is using the situation at Collingwood. And his exit as motivation this year, some more midfield minutes as well. I really am fascinated to see how he goes this year and how he plays. Who are the players that you would nominate for a pre-game or halftime shootout on Grand Final day? Which I've named after one of the AFL's best, Peter Dacos. Rob uh, joins us. G'day, Rob.
1: Hey, how are you, mate? I'm good. I love the idea, mate. And i got some quick ideas for you. First of all, you've selected a player from each club that's got the best goal kicking average for the season. Yep. And you play, you get, so you get 18 nominees and you play it through the final series and you get down to a final two or four on grand final day and it takes care of your time worries. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get a knockout during the final series so that uh, you, you're sort of working through the same level of the, as the footy game.
0: Yes. So work through. Uh, The final series, of course, the only problem with that is uh, some teams will be playing off in in the finals, but um, you you could start with the teams that didn't make the finals and then work your way through. And then as the finals goes on, teams get knocked out. You can include them. So I I think it's got legs. Uh, Now, who do we speak to? How do we get it up? Perhaps Hutchie's got some contacts. I don't know, but... I reckon the three-point contest uh, in the NBA All-Star break is an absolute winner. Um, I almost enjoy it more than the dunk competition. We probably can't do something similar to the dunk competition in AFL unless we got out the uh, hangers bag and we we had a specky competition, but the risk of injury, you wouldn't think too many players would put their hand up. We've had a big show, uh, and as always, it does not happen without your contribution to the show. Um, And I look forward to doing it all again next Friday. If you've missed any of our discussion points, our chats, our interviews, they'll be up on the podcast. Just search the uh, SEN podcast as well. And Dwayne Russell will take you through your afternoon. Bob and Andy have been in fine form as well, those two. Um, Good chemistry between those two, just dominating, have been tuning into a bit of that. Like their super coach team and the way that's coming together. So, They'll chat to you from, what is it, 3 o'clock this afternoon. Big day coming up on SEN as we lead into Friday night. Footy is back. How good is that? I'll be back to do it all again next Friday from 9 o'clock. Have a great weekend. A long one for everyone.
11: Want to
1: witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022
11: semi-finals. All thanks to McDonald's. backers. Together and loving it. TNCs apply.